my next guest is the really most famous defense attorney anywhere in the country. He's on this show often. We've been friends now for 42 years since going to poly prep together back in Diker Heights way back when. Now he's an international superstar. In fact, during this World Cup event, he owns his own soccer team. Mind you, a championship soccer team in the great country of Italy. Here's my dear, dear friend, Joseph Tacopino. Good morning, Tac. Sydney Arthur, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, I know that uh, soccer is a big deal for you, so I have to imagine you watched every second of that geopolitical soccer showdown between America and Iran yesterday. And I know Italy's your favorite, but America is your second favorite. You must have been very, very happy after the result. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, look, what they did in that second half, the USA team, the way they hung on, the courage that they showed, and, and without their best player, one of the best players in the world, Christian Pulisic, who scored that goal and then was injured, um, it, it showed real gut and real character. And that, to me, in any football team, in any sporting team, is what you want. That, that stuff beats talent every day. You know, character, courage, gut beats talent every day. And, and that's what they're going to need in this next round against the Netherlands, that's for sure. They are the second youngest team in this tournament, I've been told, Tack, which means a couple years down the road, they're only going to get better. Look, they played Wales to a tie. They played England to a draw. They beat Iran. So for what it's worth, not the most difficult competition, but they haven't lost a game yet. They played the two tries, uh, two um, ties, I should say, and a victory. What does that say, do you think, Joe, for the future of this American team? Listen, I'll never forget when, when Italy won the World Cup in 2006, Maro Vladovic, who was the general secretary of the Italian national team, and a good friend of mine said to me, in 10 years, the United States soccer team will be the best in the world. Wow. He was off by, a, by about a decade, but, but I see it coming. I think in, in 2026, I think we're going to be there because why? We have the greatest talent pool to grab from. I mean, we are the largest country that has the ability to grab from, you know, people from all different you know, uh, backgrounds, uh, Argentinian, you know, uh, Italians, uh, Colombians, whatever. We're the melting pot here, and we have that pool of talent, not to mention we have the greatest technology in the world. We just need to get our coaching up to par, and when that happens, we're going to be unstoppable. I mean, Christian Pulisic, you know, at 16 years old, was sent over to the best team, one of the best teams in Europe, uh, Borussia Dortmund in Germany. Um, and this guy is our star. And he's a kid still. He's 24 years old. So I think the future of American soccer is finally upon us. I mean, the real future. Look, we missed World Cups before, right, recently. So um, I think now now it's an exciting time. But, you know, they have to they still have to grow up a little bit. They have to play a little better after they score a goal. Because what happens with a lot of teams when they score a goal and they take a lead is they lock down and they tighten up and they don't want to give up a goal. Well, that, that's when you get in trouble. You've got to keep playing your game. The thing that worked for you before is going to work for you again if you keep doing it. But when you tighten up and you get tense yeah. because you're trying to protect the lead is when things go bad. It's like football. That prevent defense always gives up a touchdown. But you're funny. What a difference exactly. a week makes, Joe Takapina, because last week you sat in studio with me, you handsome guy. Yeah? And uh, we was Italy. And now Italy is not in the World Cup. And the Americans just beat Iran. And you've replaced we, Italy, with we, America. It must be well, fun. I told you. I mean, I'm an American. I mean, first and foremost, I'm an American. Of course, I love the American team. And then, when, you know, of course, we're playing Iran. And it was like, you know, like it was a quasi-political theater. Um, I feel bad for those Iran- players from Iran, though. I mean, that team, they're going to go home to, like, summary execution or something. I mean, there's, you know, threat- their families were threatened with arrest. They had to meet with Well, like, well let me ask you, you know, this. As, as the owner of a, of a championship team in Ferrara, Italy, 
when your players lose games that they're supposed to win, it seems like every time I talk to you, you're about to fire everybody. Everybody. Yeah, but I'm not killing anyone. You're not killing anyone. Okay. <laughs> not imprisoning them. I mean, if I could imprison them, I would, but I can't. So it's a little, a little different. I know. I'm with it. Hey, one more on note about soccer, Lionel Messi who most people know, not think, know is the best player ever, maybe. Uh, Pele, maybe. I don't know. But uh, certainly the last oh, couple of decades. He, um, he's about to sign a huge deal way past what David Beckham did in Los Angeles years ago down in Miami. What do you think about Lionel Messi playing his home games in the MS- MLS in Miami, Florida? Boy, boy, that's a game changer. That is a game changer for the MLS. I mean, Don Garber, the commissioner of the MLS, has done an insane job in the last decade. That was a, a, a crackerjack league, you know, 15 years ago. It was, a, it was like a, you know, a neighborhood league almost. It was, you know, stadiums were, 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 you know, high school grounds and whatnot. They now have some of the best stadiums in the world. It's an actually it's a condition precedent to owning a team in the MLS so that you have your own beautiful stadium. And, and the league is becoming uber competitive. I mean, you know, some of the best homegrown talent is staying here as opposed to going to Europe. But then... Bringing in Lionel Messi would change it all because the focus of the world would then be on the MLS. Because, you know, when, when you compare the best players in the world, there's Lionel Messi and then there's everyone else. Right, right. And he's, he, even though he's 35, you know, he may not be his prime. The guy hasn't slowed down. If you look at him statistically and the way he plays his game, he's still at the top of the game. It's not one of these MLS moves where you're bringing in, you know, George Weah or Roberto Donadoni, these great Italians, or, or Beckham when they were basically, like, you know, bringing a wheelchair out onto the field. <laughs> this, this, this is a guy who's still there. He's still the best player in the world. So bringing him to Miami would be an amazing coup for the MLS, an amazing coup for Miami and David Beckham. So uh, if that happens, I'm, I'm, I'd be thrilled because it really will do a lot for USA soccer. Looks like it is going to happen, too. That's right. David Beckham partly owns that team. So they'd be together, Beckham and Messi. This is the great defense attorney, Joseph Tacopino, with me on this Wednesday morning. Um, I don't know if you know anything about this. We didn't discuss this earlier because it just happened. But a bunch of these oath keepers that were there January the 6th, I know you've defended Kimberly Guilfoyle and others about that day. These oath keepers, two guilty, three not guilty for seditious conspiracy. I have no idea what that means. Do you? Yeah, playing an armed insurrection um, shortly after Biden won the election to stop the transfer of power and keep Trump in the White House. That's what that means. Got it. Okay. Well, let's move then, talking about Trump, to his organization, which remains, of course, under investigation, criminal investigation every day. What is the latest with all of that? The trial is over for all intents and purposes. The, the testimony is done. I mean, the defense called only two witnesses, and um, one of them you know, was sort of a bit of a hostile witness. It was the accountant from the, the uh, Mazer accounting firm. Um, and there, that's it. The case is over. Now what happens now is the lawyers and the judge are going to get together and decide what the exact law that the, the jury should be read um, in this case is going to be, um, which, by the way, is, is a super important, super important thing here because, you know, when, when this jury hears this case, this is not, you, you know, uh, he said, she said case. It's not a typical assault case. The law in this case is critical because conviction or acquittal could hinge on how the jury understands the legal ramifications for a company when its executive commits a crime. And, 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 and look, honestly, this case, the defendant, the, 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 the guy who was initially the defendant, okay, uh, Wasselberg, right. um, you know, who now cooperated against an empty chair because there's no person there, right? There's not like, you know, when I'm representing a defendant, there's a human being next to me. There's flesh and blood, and, and you feel it, and there's emotion. Here, the lawyers have an empty chair. 
there's a corporation, uh, you know, two corporations <laughs> that are defendants. It's not a person, right. which makes this feel surreal. It also makes it a little easier for a jury to convict, right? They're not looking at the family members of a defendant. They're not looking at the defendant in the eye. They, they sometimes may feel sympathy for a defendant. That may cause them to, to pause in their, in their decision to convict someone. Here you're talking about a, a corporation, you know, and, and there's no one there. And, yeah. and this is sort of easy. But, but I, you know, it, look, this guy testified that he concocted the scheme on his own, okay, and that, and that no one in the Trump organization or Trump himself knew that he was doing this. But they reaped the benefits of it, he said. He went on to say they reaped the benefits of it. Um, but that doesn't make them guilty of, of knowingly committing this tax crime. So, uh, you know, I, I think if this were a normal case without the Trump name, without the empty chair, uh, it, 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 my opinion, from what I know, should be an acquittal. Um, but, you know, you have the Trump name, which is polarizing. Um, you have an empty chair, which makes it a lot easier for a jury to say guilty, and no one gets handcuffed in front of the jury. So, I, you know, I, I think this is going to be a tough road to hold to the defense. All right, all the way out here, Joseph, I've got Lee Zeldin coming up next, and it turns out that the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, said that Lee Zeldin had racist rhetoric, a racist campaign, because he kept bringing him up, the only black man. I guess what Alvin hasn't figured out is, as a district attorney with criminals running the streets and running the show here in New York, that's what Lee is upset about, and I'm upset about, not his skin color. You, as an attorney, have to deal with DAs every day in every borough. What are your thoughts on the real Alvin Bragg? Well, I, I, I'm a, I gotta tell you, Sid, I donated to Alvin Bragg's campaign because Alvin was a former federal prosecutor, someone that I knew to be a strong lawyer, and someone I thought. Let me let me stop you for a second. There were four guys running for governor on the Republican side: Andrew Giuliani, who's become a dear friend of mine; Lee Zeldin was already a dear friend; Rob Astorino, and a guy named Harry Wilson. And Harry Wilson went to college with uh, with Bragg and also donated to his campaign. But but distanced himself the last couple of years when he saw what Alvin Bragg became. I have a feeling you're going to tell me a similar story. I am. I am because, look, I'm a defense lawyer, right? I would normally say, hey, he's the best. I'm reaping the benefits of all this stuff. But as a citizen and someone who walks around New York, you don't like what you see. You don't like what you feel. You hear the cops complaining all the time about them being basically, pardon the pun, handcuffed to do their jobs. Um, and, 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 and the fact that Bragg accused Zeldin of being a racist because he mentioned him is, is, is sad. It's, just, it's like that's just, a, you know, you throw that card out there in this day and age, and that's it. You know, it's, it's your, your, uh, your atomic bomb, and it's wrong. You know, preserve that horrible word for real situations of racism because there's plenty of out there. But you don't need to do that. Zeldin is not a racist. I know Zeldin as well. I mean, I know you said you're very close to him, but he's a good guy and would have been a great governor, in my opinion. Um, but But – you know, in, in this case, it's, it's despicable to hear that. But then, you know, you've got to look at what Alvin Bragg is doing also. I mean, you know, he's trying to dismiss a case of a, a person who was on trial for murder. Or, I mean, indicted for murder, indicted by the former district attorney, Vance. The thing that's disturbing to me about this case is Alvin Bragg, when he was petitioning and, and running for the position of district attorney, he took this position that, you know, this, this defendant who stabbed her husband to death, um, I guess McCarter um, yeah, yeah. is her name. And, and you know, he, he used that as a platform to say, I, I stand with Tracy. Before he knew the case, before he hadn't had access to the investigative files. So he came to this conclusion. And what that did was get him a nice $500,000 chunk of change. Oh, slow down a second. Oh, 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 slow down a second. You're telling me, yeah. you're telling me 
that the DA, Bragg, got a half a million dollar contribution for coming to a decision before he knew any of the facts? Because if you're saying that, that's a big deal. Well, many are calling for his recusal in that case, in the McCarter case, because when he came out and said, took a stance, a real strong stance, that I stand with Tracy, you know, this Tracy uh, McCarter in this, in this homicide case where a grand jury indicted her. A judge upheld the grand jury minutes. Wow. She claims that the guy accidentally fell on his knife. It sounds like a line out of the play <laughs> Chicago. You know, he ran into the knife. He oh ran into God. the knife ten times. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, it's, it's like it, it's – but yet before he was district attorney, before he had access to law enforcement files, he stood with this Tracy. That's a tough thing to do when you're a prosecutor. You're going to be inheriting that case. So now he's locked into that position. What that, what that endorsement, so to speak, of Tracy gave him was, you know, George Soros' organization, The Color of Change, um, supported Tracy McCarter, continues to. When Bray came out and gave that sort of statement in support of her, they gave him $500,000 wow. um, as wow. an independent oh, expenditure campaign contribution in, mm. in May of 2021. Wow. Uh, you know, there's some things there that most wouldn't be comfortable with. <laughs> to say the least, man, does that stink. Yeah. But no surprise that that's in and around this Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg. That is a, a great job, Joe Tacopina. Another great appearance. Jimmy, Jimmy, hold on. Hold on. One thing. One thing. We talked about all these important things, but let's talk about something real important. Number one Italian restaurant in New York City. In my opinion? Yep. Um, you're not going to like this, but I'm going not far from where you grew up. You grew up on, like, X and Bedford. I'm going to Nostrand and R. Michaels. That's it. That's it. I got it right? What do you mean I'm not going to like it? It is by far and away <laughs> the most authentic, real, incredible Italian restaurant. I always say that. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And, and I spoke to Michael last night because a friend of mine, Jordan Steve, a great lawyer from Reed Smith, is, is wanted to go to a great restaurant in Brooklyn. I was like, well, there's only one Truly great restaurant, Brooklyn. If you want to eat the best Italian in New York City, head over to Nostrum Avenue. No doubt. So I knew you would get it, man. No, of course. I I, because I think the misconception is, yeah, the misconception is if you're going to go for Italian in Brooklyn, you've got to go to 3rd Avenue or 4th Avenue in Bay Ridge. And listen, Ario's isn't there anymore and these other great spots. So I'm not even sure it's close anymore, Joe. It's not even a close second. I don't think so. I, I'm not talking about Brooklyn. I'm, see, I'm talking about New York City. No, me too. I agree with you. <laughs> okay. I agree. Yeah. Well, so, there's also right. there's also go, no bro. defense attorney as good as you are, so there you have it. <laughs> so, I agree with you, too. Well, thank you. You were great today. We'll do it again next week. Uh, thank you, as always. Okay. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I love you, pal. Thank you. Love you, too, sir. Take there care. he is, Bye. the great famed defense attorney, Joseph Takapina.